Hi, and welcome to the very first episode of Scientific Wellness, a podcast where we explore the research and science of health, fitness, and personal wellness. I'm Amy Henson, your host, scientist, professional science communicator, but most importantly, I've been on my own health and wellness journey since 2018. And if you're like me, you've probably heard a hundred times, studies say this, scientists agree that. But where exactly is this research? What is this data? And now, as a scientist, I've been trained to ask these questions. But as someone on their own health and wellness journey, I really want to know the truth. But I also want to know how exactly it's applicable to me. So each episode, we'll explore a piece of research or two, figure out how we might apply it to our everyday lives, and I'll take you on little bits and pieces of my own health and wellness journey. So to start off our first episode, I really wanted to start off with setting a tone of what I consider to be wellness and what I have come to discover over my own wellness journey. So for me, it was coming to know and understand all of the incredible things my body is capable of doing and claiming this athlete identity that I always knew existed in me, but I never really felt was truly mine because of my weight. I started not loving my body. I would look in the mirror and feel hate, disgust, helplessness, hopelessness, and honestly, sincere defeat. I would get angry and I would be angry at my genetics, my environment, my brain, all the things that contributed to the way that my body looked. I hated my body and in turn, I hated myself. And yes, on my journey, I did lose weight. At first, it was my primary focus because why wouldn't it be? (laughs) I mean, just look at the world that's out there now. But as time went on, I knew that my wellness journey was more than losing weight. It was about loving myself and loving my body again. It was about celebrating all the amazing things it could do. And so for this first podcast, I really wanted to look into research about body positivity. And in fact, it's a huge topic right now. If you head into any of your social media accounts, um, especially Instagram, and look up body positivity, or in this case, hashtag BOPO, B-O-P-O, you'll find an explosion of accounts and posts that are all dedicated to being body positive in a myriad of different ways, and not only weight related. And in fact, this is really totally coincidental. Just before I decided to record this podcast, uh, a post came up on my feed up about the cover of British Cosmopolitan magazine for February 2021. And this cover depicts a variety of women of all shapes, sizes, and abilities with the tagline, this is healthy. And I will tell you, There is some serious online debate going on about this cover. But Curious Me always wants to know, what does the data say? So on my search about body positivity, we're going to pull up some really interesting papers on this subject. So for today, we are taking our research from the social sciences and exploring body positivity. Hashtag BOPO. 
Okay, let's get into this. The full references for the two papers that we're going to look at today are on my blog. You can find them at scientific-wellness.ca. One paper is an article from the Journal of Health Psychology published in 2020 called The Case for Body Positivity on Social Media, Perspectives on Current Advances and Future Directions. I use this article as a great jumping off point into the research behind body positivity and social media. The authors here really collect an idea of the current state of research that's out there in the field, and they make some suggestions for future research. So it really provided a good basis of understanding for me and pointed me into a lot of different directions of papers that I could look at. Then the second paper I'm going to look at today is a research study from the journal body image that was published in 2020 called Body Positivity Hashtag BOPO in Everyday Life. It's an ecological momentary assessment study showing potential benefits to individuals' body image and emotional well-being. So let's start off with the question that's on everyone's mind, especially surrounding this new cover of Cosmo magazine. Does showing overweight individuals as, quote, healthy lead to more unhealthy habits. And as far as I can tell, and as far as the authors of our first paper have found, to date, there really isn't any evidence to support that viewing body positive media leads to unhealthy behaviors or obesity. And that was really important just to get that out of the way. Because in fact, body positive images that you see on social media, like Instagram, have actually been found to encourage different things like appreciating your body or taking care of your body in different ways. They've also shown women of different sizes and shapes and abilities engaging in rigorous physical activities like yoga, hiking, surfing. And if you go into the story that's associated with the British Cosmo issue, you'll see that those same types of stories are in there. And After I finished reading it, I know that I felt inspired, and I can't imagine how anybody else couldn't feel that way too. So heading further into the papers we are looking at today, both papers acknowledge in their introductions that research time and time again has established that when we are exposed to media that depicts the idealized body type, and if we begin to compare ourselves against that standard, it can result in psychological harm. And this has been shown through magazines, TV, films, social media, etc., etc. Now, if we take a look at social media, the researchers really wanted to define what kinds of posts they meant with body positivity. So they had there have been a lot of studies done in terms of what we call content analysis. So when we do content analysis, we're really looking at commonalities between certain things. So looking at social media posts, right, we'll be looking at the commonalities between them. And when they were looking at posts that were depicting body types, they really grouped these posts into three different categories based on the commonalities they had. And they've called them thinspiration, fitspiration, and body positivity. Thinspiration posts often show overly thin bodies, have an overtone of promoting diet restrictions like severe calorie restriction or other unhealthy uh, eating habits. Fitspiration is different from thinspiration, and instead of promoting overly thin bodies, it promotes a really lean, toned, and muscular body. 
and in recent years, and especially on image-based social media, fitspiration has become much more common than thinspiration. But body positivity posts are really different. And each of the papers that we looked at describes content analysis studies that have been done to suggest that body positivity posts challenge ideal body types, they foster acceptance of bodies of all shapes and sizes, and focus on body functionality and body acceptance. So while there are studies out there that show that consuming thinspiration and fitspiration can be emotionally and psychologically harmful, not as much is known about the effects of consuming body positive media. So researchers are trying to fill that gap. And that's where the research study that we're looking at aims to do. The aim of the study was to figure out whether exposure to BOPO or body positivity social media influences a person's subsequent body image and emotional well-being. The study that we are looking at used a method called ecological momentary assessment. And I hadn't really heard of this before, but reading a little bit more up on it, it really provides a way to perform research that's not inside of a lab. Um, And in, you know, more so what we would call their natural setting. So I kind of equate it to watching lions on the Serengeti and observing their behavior. But instead, what we're doing is we're asking our human participants while they're doing things that they would normally do every day in their lives, like brushing their teeth or watching TV. One of the things that I loved about this study is that they were really thorough in their analysis and cross-referenced all their responses with um, traits of their participants, including their age, gender, cultural background, height, weight, and the participants were also asked to report if they had any current eating disorder diagnosis. So they started the study by determining the participants' body satisfaction before the study began. And they called it the state body satisfaction. And they used this, so for each individual, to determine what kind of would be the norm for that person. And then they would measure then changes through that throughout the study. So participants were asked to rate on a scale from 0 to 100 uh, three questions about their body satisfaction. So they would be asked, how satisfied are you with your weight? How satisfied are you with your appearance? And how satisfied are you with your body shape right now? Then they wanted to find out the participants' state of negative feelings and ask them three questions again. How anxious? How guilty? And how upset are you right now? And they used the same 0 to 100 scale. Oppositely, they then asked them to assess their positive feelings and develop a baseline for those. So they would ask them how confident, how happy, and how inspired are you right now? And those same questions were going to be asked throughout the entire study. And the changes of those questions from the initial responses is really what the researchers are looking for. Each participant attended a laboratory interview and training session where participants were encouraged in small groups to describe the differences between thinspiration, fitspiration, and body positive media so that everybody had the same kind of idea and notions of what those meant and what those were so that they can report on them when they were in the study. And then every day for the next seven days, participants received six push notifications a day on their smartphones to respond to. 
They were then prompted to ask those nine questions about body satisfaction, negative and positive emotions. And then they were also asked if they had been exposed to thinspiration, fitspiration, or body positive media, or a combined of any of those. And they were asked to do that since the last time they answered those questions. So whether it would, if it was the last one of the day, they would have been like overnight from the day before or, you know, within a few hours. And this, I think, was kind of the really neat thing about using this ecological momentary assessment method. Because participants may have or may not have seen any media in that time period. And you were catching them in parts of their day that they may not have even been thinking about it or they may have been thinking heavily about it. And that, I think, is kind of interesting. So our researchers, after a lot of cross-analysis and statistics between all the different factors, they found on average that participants who were only exposed to body-positive media during that time period reported higher body satisfaction, higher positive emotions, and lower negative emotions compared to the times when they may have seen body positive media with fitspiration or thinspiration. Being exposed to only fitspiration had no significant effects on body satisfaction or positive or negative emotions. And as expected, because we expect this with previous research, when they were exposed to thinspiration, they reported lower levels of body positivity and lower levels of positive emotions and higher levels of negative emotions. What was really interesting was the participants who reported seeing body positive images with either fitspiration or body positive images with fitspiration and thinspiration, those participants actually reported higher positive emotions. So our question here could be, can body positive media act as a protective buffer to the negative or null effects of thinspiration and fitspiration? We don't really know yet whether or not body positive media can actually do this, but it's certainly a question that researchers are asking and we'll probably see interesting studies in the future about this. So what can we take away from this study? Well, my suggestion would be to take a look at your own social media accounts. Who are you following? What images are you currently seeing? If you're noticing images that make you feel anxious, guilty, upset, or not positive about your own body, it might be time to stop following them then equally, it might be time to start adding more body positive people to your account. I know when I first started on my journey, I often reported my weigh-ins, and since then, I've stopped doing that. And instead, I'm trying to fill up my feed with workouts that I'm doing, um, my adventures in nature. Here's the thing, I'm just me in my own body, doing the things I love for the world to see. On a side note, I've also committed to not using filters unless they're, you know, really silly or goofy for my photos and stories. I, I really want my viewers to see the real me. Everything about me. Because over the past few years, I've really learned to appreciate my body and all that it can do for me. And I hope you can do the same. Thanks for joining us today. Scientific Wellness is dedicated to promoting research that is published in peer-reviewed journals. 
And as always, a piece of research represents only a piece of a much larger puzzle at one moment in time. Our world is always changing, and research builds on previous research. Always consult your physician before beginning any exercise, nutrition, program, or supplement. This general information isn't intended to diagnose any medical condition or to replace your healthcare professional. They're smart, so consult and listen to them. I'm Amy Henson, creator of Scientific Wellness. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing and writing a review. You can find more information about today's episode on my blog at scientific-wellness.ca. Until next time, love your body. Turn your